I decided to pull the launch, reformulate it, and tell Sephora that we couldn't do it. Hello guys, and welcome or welcome back to another episode of High Key Adulting, aka the not-so-serious guide as to how to live your best life no matter who you are. My name is Jada Jones, and I am your host for today and every week and every day, and here we are with episode number 33. Today we have a really, really good episode um, with Miss Amy Liu. She is so freaking cool, guys. You're going to be so inspired to literally just create your own beauty company and take over the world. So yes, this is a really, really good episode that I'm sure you guys will enjoy, before we get into that, let's get into some updates. <laughs> let's get into some updates for the day. This is going to be a really weird one. Today is Monday. Um, I wanted to have a really productive morning that did not end up happening because, guys, I got so, so sick. Okay, we're going to get some TMI here. Just honestly skip into the episode if you don't want to hear any of this. But so I started birth control, I think, let's say one and a half years ago, maybe two years ago. I cannot really remember. It's getting fuzzy. Um, but it has helped so much with my period cramps. Like I have never, like I, when I was younger, I experienced the worst period cramps, like the worst, 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 worst period cramps that would cause me to literally throw up in school and have to get picked up early because I couldn't deal with it for the rest of the day. Like I literally had to get exempt from exams one time because of that. I got like excused, like I had to leave during like a statewide exam, uh, because I threw up. So yeah, basically saying that I've grown up with really, really bad periods. I don't know what it is, but they're just so excruciatingly painful to a point where it feels like I'm about to actually pass out um so this year during quarantine it's been weird because I wanted to just kind of experiment with kind of going off of birth control and going on it and seeing if it fluctuates and there's a lot of noises outside right now I'm sorry if you guys hear a lot of like, do y'all hear that? That's like a motorcycle. I don't even know what that is. Um, anyway, but I've been experimenting with going on and off of birth control because I don't really want to be reliant on it. Like, I like the benefits of it not, like, hurting me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. But long-term effects, I don't really know. But I get nervous with putting substances into my body, like, even with medications and stuff. I don't even like taking ibuprofen and today I had to take two because I'm in so much pain. I just don't like adding medication if I don't have to, but in this situation, I definitely have to because I'm so in pain. So I know this year, I think a couple months ago, I experimented with going off of birth control for like two months and it was fine. Like it wasn't that bad at all, but then I went back on it for a month and then I went to Utah and I was starting a new pack of pills. But the thing about it was that Utah, like the time zone, I was getting so confused and then I was so busy on set that I just like missed four days of taking it anyway. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to like skip the whole month. And here we are (laughs) a month later in excruciating pain and my garage is about to open because my dad just got home. So more noise. We're going to take a pause. Hold on. I have been literally bed rested all day. I've been stuck to my bed. I just didn't like I could not physically do anything like that might sound dramatic, but I know myself and I know what I can handle and today like even my brain like it was starting to affect the way I was thinking I was like I don't think I can get the energy right now to do this and yes it is 350 but guess what if I'm starting my work day right now I feel fine I feel good and I feel like that was the right decision for me so all of this unnecessary period talk to say that if you guys are physically like just not feeling good not feeling your best it's okay to not give it your all. Like, you've got to give attention to yourself and you've got to understand your limits and what you can take. And today was just one of those days. Like, I thought I had a quote-unquote chill, like, planning day yesterday, but today was the day that, like, my body needed me the most. So, I just, like, sat down, 
took my medication, like put this heating pad thing on my stomach and just like had a couple hours to myself. I'm glad to have taken those couple of hours to reset and feel good and then be at my best for work than to have worked, worked, worked and then like been even more sick and like headachey and all that kind of stuff afterwards. So yes, what a lovely intro, Jada. Hello, my name is Jada, and if this is the first episode you're listening to, I am so sorry. Again, I have a lovely, lovely episode today with Amy Lou from Tower 28 Beauty, and I know you guys are going to enjoy her so much. Feel free to check out their Instagram and literally support their business. You hear it in this episode. She's just so absolutely grateful for all of her customers and for everyone who is shopping through her this season and this year and just supporting her. It's so cool. It's so freaking cool what she's doing, and yeah, um, feel free to also just, you know, catch up with me on YouTube, catch up with me on Instagram. I'm always on there interacting with you guys, you know, trying to see how your day is and just trying to get to know all the tea. So yes, I love you guys so much. Enjoy this episode with all of your heart and happy last day of November. Let's kick December in the ass, y'all. Let's go. All right, guys. Today I have the owner of such a cool and just forward brand is how I can best explain it. We have Miss Amy Lou from Tower 28 Beauty. Hello. How are you? Hi. Thank you for um, having me. So excited. (laughs) Of course. Of course. The first thing I'd love for you to do is just give the listeners an introduction about yourself and the work that you do. Yeah, so my name is Amy Liu. Um, I've worked in the beauty industry for a really long time now. Um, I basically also had eczema my entire adult life, so the combination of the two um, was a really interesting one because I was I've been the head of marketing for the last two major jobs I've had, and as the person who was really going to sell products into Sephora and Nordstrom and Neiman Marcus um, and you know, as a marketer, you're in beauty, you're always kind of selling this aspiration of beauty. And a lot of that is always skin. And for me, I've had really inconsistent skin having chronic eczema. So um, basically, ever since I graduated from college, I've had really persistent and chronic eczema, which um, for me kind of takes place anywhere from like my hands to my face to my eyelids, um, and can come out of out of nowhere. And so I think I was, one of the things that was really hard for me is I wasn't able to try the products. Um, Oftentimes, or I was nervous to try a lot of the products that I was even helping to create because um, they were both sometimes non-toxic. They sometimes, they just didn't meet my requirements, right? So I was looking for products that were non-toxic, non-irritating, safe for my sensitive skin. But at the same time, I actually really did want to wear makeup. So I think a lot of people when they're going through something are like, well, you shouldn't wear any makeup because that's just going to make it worse. Um, and for me, uh, I I really wanted to wear makeup because I wanted to cover it up. I was really self-conscious, um, but I also didn't want to make it worse, obviously. So um, having said that, I have always also wanted to be an entrepreneur. And the concept of those two worlds coming together really is what led me to starting Tower 28. So um, I launched the brand about a year and a half ago, and um, our products are just what I said. So they're non-toxic, they're safe for sensitive skin, um, they no essential oils, all no synthetic fragrances, um, basically nothing that would irritate you, but also um, we are safe by Cledo, Credo's clean standards, as well as um, we use the seal of acceptance guidelines from the National Eczema Association. 
So uh, we're basically, we have a massive no-no list. Um, and then in addition to that, one of the things I really wanted was to make products that were more approachable for a wider audience um, from a price point perspective. So if you notice, our, all of our products are actually $28 and under too, because um, that was really important to me. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, I love how you just kind of had a very specific you know, vision. And even though it wasn't really necessarily done before or was halfway done in your standards that you were able to just kind of take an idea and just execute it and really just make it into something. And I find that so inspiring. And I feel like so many others would find that inspiring as well. Um, so how did you just kind of think of this? Like, what, where did the name come from? Let's start there. Oh, so the name is a funny one. I actually start, this is something I actually don't tell people very often, but Ooh, I have, okay. <laughs> I, and now that I'm thinking about it, I've never, uh, I really don't do this in interviews, but the first name um, was actually, I actually trademarked tribe with a Y. That was the first name that I came up with. And I was uh -huh. really committed to this idea where, um, I don't know if you've ever done this with your friends, but like I've been in the same industry for a long time. And so my friends and I would all, at, we, you know, started working together and then we would go to different places and we would always say like, what if we could like all work together again and make like the best brand and a great place to work and all of these things. And, um, I, I thought of these people as like my tribe and I was like, well, what if I, I'm just going to manifest it. I'm going to call the company tribe and get every, get the gang back together again. And we're all going to work together. <laughs> Um, I had two issues. One, it was really hard to, I couldn't trademark it. I had problems trademarking tribe. Oh. Um, and the second, my friends who I love and have been super helpful, I couldn't afford to work for me. Right. Because I didn't have, um, my friends now having been in the industry for a long time, make real salaries and I couldn't afford them. And so it's sort of funny that that's where it started, but long story short, um, Tower 28 came up because I couldn't find any. You want to trademark something and you want to own the handle on on all your map platforms and you want to mm -hmm. um, get the URL and everything. It's actually pretty hard. And so I was it like is. Googling and Googling and looking and looking. And one day I literally got a text from a friend of mine that was like, hey, we're all going to the beach. Meet me at Tower 28. And I was oh. like... <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. I've lived in Santa Monica on the west side of LA for a really long mm -hmm. time. And um, when people go to the beach, even with phones and everything else, um, people, the, the way you find each other is. Right. It's the, you know, yeah, I'll you're so right. I'll meet you at Tower 26. And Tower 28 happens to be the one that I've always gone to because it's um, close to the parking lot and it walks out. Um, and so to me, it is a symbol of not only being. Um, a place where everybody gets to enjoy a healthy lifestyle, but it's also a community, right? Like it's a sign of um, like a meeting place. And mm -hmm. uh, that particular tower, which I don't know if you know uh, that part of LA very well, mm -hmm. but it's literally right smack between where Santa Monica and Venice meet. And um, Santa Monica's vibe and Venice's vibe are very, very different. And so it's literally this point where you just see like literally all walks of people, which I thought was really interesting. I think things have changed now, but at the time, um, meaning now like three years ago when I first started um, coming together with the concept and raising money and doing all that, I really felt like clean beauty was targeted at um, a very specific person. And mm -hmm. that specific person was basically like Gwyneth Paltrow, right? So, um, which is great and beautiful, but 
I felt like it was so narrow in its focus. Right. That's so cool. Yeah, I was just wondering. I was like, where where did this name come from? And there's such a nice, you know, there's such a nice meaning behind it. So I'm so glad that, you know, you heard it here first, guys. This, this yeah, is it. <laughs> now I'm, I feel like I'm oversharing. But no, I love it. <laughs> I grew up in Southern California. So I, um, I'm Chinese American. My parents came to America when they graduated from college. And um I think I've, and we've for a long time lived in California, but inland. And mm-hmm. even when, where I grew up in Claremont, people were really into the whole beach culture. So like when I grew up, everybody was wearing like Hurley and Billabong and Stussy and all that stuff. And um, I didn't see myself reflected in that culture, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone was blonde and had blue eyes. And um, so Another thing that I thought was really cool was the idea that I wanted to show this California kind of beach beach culture in a way that was more resonant with me, which Mm -hmm. is more diverse than I think you typically see in like the Pac Suns and the, you know what I mean? Right. I also am Asian American, uh, Asian and Black. So literally we share that, you know, same thing as well. What kind of Asian? I'm Malaysian Chinese. So my mom is Malaysian Chinese and my dad's black. So yeah. I spent some time in both KL and in Penang. Oh, I love that. I went two years ago and we were supposed to go this year, but you know, COVID. So yeah, it sucks because, you know, my mom wants to see her mom for sure. But yeah, I, I do want to go back soon. I love Singapore and Malaysia so much. It's so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> well, they say actually the, the incidence of eczema is higher in Asian and in black people. So it's yeah. Somewhere- it's not super shocking that you have eczema. It was literally geared to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I kind of actually grew out of it on most parts of my body. Right now, it's only like on my hands. My hands is the part that like sucks the most. And it sucks because I'm always writing, using my hands for typing, editing, you know, like whatever hand things that I have to do during my day. So I mean, I'd so much rather have it somewhere else. Yeah, it's still nice to have clean beauty, like clean, clean beauty going on your skin that is made for eczema prone people just because that's like almost the most sensitive like type you can get you know like rosacea all that kind of stuff yeah. is like the most sensitive sensitive so that means it's like great and safe for anyone to use like a baby could use it you know like I saw your daughter using it so like that's baby. amazing <laughs> you'd love to hear that. um yeah. yeah I that's exactly what I hope people feel when they try our products because we take really mm-hmm. such effort to make sure that things are safe for sensitive skin Mm-hmm. Um, are non-comedogenic. It's it's frankly, it's really not easy um, to avoid as many ingredients as we I would do. think. Yeah, yeah. So how did that go about? I mean, just kind of you know. So after you kind of thought of the name and then just started kind of actually executing it. So how did that begin for you? I love picking entrepreneurs' brains on how they actually started because you know it all starts with an idea, but it's really about doing those steps and like executing those steps to see yeah. the company come together. So yeah, where did that come from? How did it how did it start? So I- I think I mentioned I've worked in the beauty industry for a long time. And so because Mm -hmm. of that, I've had the benefit of seeing how other businesses set up their business model um, and how they do things, which part of that um, made me realize that in order to scale the business, um, it was important for me to outsource things, right? So one, I am not by trade a chemist. I am not um, a doctor. I'm not a lot of things, right? Um, and so to me, it was really important to um, outsource to people that I felt like 
had more knowledge than I did and had more credibility than I did. And that's why when we were building our no-no list, I think, like, I think some brands are like, my philosophy is I don't believe in blah, 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 because it didn't work for my skin where I'm kind of like, well, just because something doesn't work for my skin doesn't mean, um, I'd rather be safer and avoid more things. So for instance, there are some essential oils actually that don't bother me. But as a rule, we don't include any essential oils because some people find them very irritating. So, or a lot of people do. It's one of the most common um, allergens. So we outsource. So what I mean by outsource is I partnered with Credo um, but even before we partnered with Credo, we took a look at their list, which is totally public, right? Um, and I, I know that team and I know how well they vet those ingredients. And so we took their no-no list and we were like, okay, this is my stance against um, making sure that the products are going to be non-toxic. And then I, as a person, was already looking at the National Eczema Association when I was buying my detergent, when I was buying my, my lotions and things like that. But the thing is that the National Eczema Association, um, they are really very vigilant about making sure that products aren't irritating, but they're not really trying to make sure that you're, um, the toxic part of it is neither here nor there for them, right? So for me, I was looking for those crosshairs of of both of those things. So I took both of those lists to build this massive no-no list. Um, And then on top of that, I found a contract manufacturer, I found a chemist, Um, we worked on products, but it took some time and then we go through testing. And the other thing that we do to guard against making sure that our products are safe for sensitive skin is that we do third party test them. Um, meaning that we send them somewhere, they get tested, not on animals, but on volunteer humans (laughs) who do what they call an irritation patch test, which means that they actually put it on real skin, um, on people and then a dermatologist that looks at it. So it's not just like a random person looking at their skin and saying, I don't think it's irritated over because they keep putting it on over a period of time. And then right at it. And it's not like just a subjective, I'm looking at it and saying, well, I don't think it looks that irritated. It's literally (laughs) a doctor who looks at it and says, um, that is not irritated skin, which is why we can say safer, sensitive skin, dermatologist approved, all those claims. Um, so the, the, those were the main things that we we did. And then, of course, it's super important to me that products are um, high performance, especially after mm-hmm. having worked in the beauty industry for a long time. Um, and one of the benefits I've had is, like I mentioned, I have friends in the beauty industry, and so I know makeup artists. And so we, we kind of were checking all the boxes, right? Like I'm making sure that it's safe for sensitive skin and making sure it's non-toxic by credo standards. But I'm also sending them these products to celebrity makeup artists who are like literally the people who know everything about makeup. And they're telling me, is this passing their sniff test as being like a high performance product or not? Yeah. So so that's that's kind of how we go about our product development process. And then, of course, um, there's the price part of it. So we make everything um, here in the USA. Um, the components come from uh, you know, abroad because that's cheaper. But the main, the thing is I'm trying to make, basically make the best product I can and pass off the value to the customer. So, um, I think there, there are other business models like this for sure, but really like we're investing in the, like, so the, I guess what I'm saying is the stuff that you get on the inside, the actual fill that you're putting on your face is as high quality as, um, 
other really expensive brands that you would know of. Um, yeah. So we're trying to make sure that um, you as a customer get get the best. Yeah, which I totally see whenever I see people just enjoying your products or testing them out, like even on YouTube or Instagram, I just see the joy that it really does bring to the customer. And I think, you know, that must be so beautiful for you to watch, you know, something that you've created just kind of come to life like that. No, it's surreal. It's so weird. I've wanted for so long that it's really weird to see it happening and to see it on, especially in COVID, right? So we're in all US Mm, uh, Sephora stores. But most of those stores have been closed for some time now. And even now that they are opened, um, they're open at like a 25, 35% capacity. So it's it's a little bit different than the world used to be, obviously. And uh, so I guess my point is, to your, like what you're saying, I do see the brand come to life, but so much of it is virtual, like so much of it yeah, happens right. that I'm like, it's so weird. <laughs> like, is it mm-hmm. real? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, that's so. Did you ever think that your brand would get to this point? You know, like, did you ever think that you would see so? Like, how how did you envision it? You know, after creating it, what did you think would happen? Um, I, you know, the things I think I was focused on were, of course, sales. Um, because I wanted to get to a, I took on investors, right? So I think anytime mm-hmm. that you take other people's money, you are responsible for spending it wisely and also getting them a return on their investment. I, I raised money from, um, not institutional investors, which means it's not like I raised money from like a big bank or from a huge hedge fund. I took money from, um, like my best friend was the lead investor of my last round. Oh, wow. Um, amazing. I go to dinner with people who I've been friends with for a really long time. And so well, not, I don't go to dinner anymore, but when I did. <laughs> um, and so to me, it was really important that, yes, I make money, um, that, yes, I'm able to return it. But I think the other thing is, like I said from the very beginning, is I wanted to name the company Tribe. I wanted, because I was looking for, um, I was looking to recreate something that I feel like I didn't have in some ways, like almost take the best of all the work experiences I've had and and not bring the bad ones. And so I really am trying to build a work culture that is a great one, meaning that like mm-hmm. the, the people on my team, and for now they're basically all girls, but um, that the people on my team, I want them to feel really valued, like they're making a contribution, that their time is um, respected and yeah. – So those are a lot of, I don't know. So when you're asking me, like, is it all the things I wanted? I wanted so many things that are not just what you see, what the outward facing Mm -hmm. part of it is. Like, yeah, I wanted it to be cute and I wanted people to, you know, I wanted to, um, one of the huge milestones is I, I mean, it's less important to people now, but I really wanted to win like an Allure Best of Beauty. I thought that was just the thing ever. And um, we won an Allure Best of Beauty this year. And that was just That's amazing. to me. And we're, our products are in Sephora. Our products are in Credo. They're on Revolve. I mean, so all of that is, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's bigger and better than I knew I could hope for, I guess is probably, the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like well, yeah. on my team, we're like, um, what's our sales plan? Like, are we doing what you thought? And I don't, sometimes you don't know what to, what, what to hope for. Like how high is high, right? Like you're mm-hmm. like, is that even possible? 
Um, so yes, it has surpassed my expectations, but I think the things that I try to think of beyond just the, the ones that you see are the ones Mm -hmm. uh, that I think long-term will be really important to me, like the team and their experiences. Yeah. I see that you value that so much and it does reflect in your company. You know, did it ever get difficult to be able to have to, you know, we talked about it earlier about how it it was so hard to almost find how to create these products with so few ingredients, you know, when you see all those things on the no-no list, it's like, you know, did it get difficult to a point where you were like, oh, maybe I may have to compensate a little bit of something just so that, yeah. Not from an ingredient, I mean, definitely on an, okay, so from an ingredient standpoint, and as an example, we just, we were ready to um, hit go on a product. And recently we just decided to reformulate it because mm. basically like Sephora wanted us to be part of this um, really exciting animation. They offered to put us at the front of the store. It was so exciting. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And we're working towards this date. And then there was one ingredient in the product that actually was not comedogenic, but I think that customers have a like we would have passed the test that would have said um because we would third party test it to make sure that it was going to be non-comedogenic so it would have been fine in that sense but I was afraid that people would look at the ingredient deck and see this ingredient and be like wait a minute this is known as a comedogenic ingredient Mm. one thing that customers don't totally understand is that it's not always just the ingredients but the way that chemistry works is right when, mm-hmm. when they together, combine yeah the percentage mm-hmm. of it and the way that it is um it was like it was basically like a surface of the pigment the way that this ingredient was and so it wouldn't have been bad for your skin but I was so afraid about the customer perception side of it that we decided to I decided to pull the launch reformulate wow. it and tell Sephora that we couldn't do it and that, that is was, so crazy. Whoa. It's so hard, honestly. Those are those are really hard calls to make because um they're they're financial ones for sure. Mm-hmm. And also yeah. because um it's it's like a missed opportunity. But I was I think the most important thing at this point in any relationship, I think the most important thing is trust right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't have that, if your customers don't trust you, then I think you kind of lose everything. Yeah, you lose more. Yeah. That was, that's an example of something that just recently happened. And I think my team is is so good about keeping, um, keeping me honest too, that they're like, and I don't, and they're not afraid of telling me, you know what I mean? So it's good. I mean, I just, I've been in environments where I think you don't feel comfortable telling um, your boss something because you don't want them to be mad or whatever. And I'm, I'm grateful that we've created an environment where they feel like they have a voice and they can be like, Hey, I don't like, I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. That's good that you allow that. Like you allow that from the people that you, you know, that you trust the most that's built this with you. Let's talk about almost like the beauty standards and just being, you know, you just seem so unapologetic and that's so amazing just of who you are, how you created this brand. And as an Asian American, you know, like how we were talking about earlier, we kind of touched on it a bit, but just, you know, growing up, not really seeing yourself represented as much and, you know, now just being able to take that power back. So how was that for you? And, you know, how did it feel just kind of stepping into this industry and being like, hey, I'm here, I'm creating this brand and here it is. (laughs) Um, so I guess that, that is, 
is such an interesting question because one, um, I've been in the same industry for a long time. So in some ways, uh, launching a brand, going to Sephora, going to uh, Credo, all of that was actually a little easier in terms of the initial pitching process because I had warm relationships, right? So mm-hmm. um, that part was a little bit easier. And I certainly think my my Asian American identity, I didn't ever feel like it was um, because I already knew people. I didn't even think about it, right? Like I didn't oh, think about how they yeah. perceived me or anything like that. I think the time that it has come up the most for me, honestly, has been Again, 2020 has been a crazy year. Um, in June, the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. really bubbled up and everything. And um, we were really early in our response of making sure that people understood that we um, really valued inclusivity, that we care about Black Lives Matter, all those types of things. And um, I got a, I got we sent out an email where we had like donated money and we had uh, like, we were taking a day off for Juneteenth and all these kinds of things. And somebody wrote an email to our general email saying something about like, how would you know you're an Asian American and Asians Mm. uh, are the most racist and this and this. And I was like, I don't even know you and you certainly don't know me. And Mm -hmm. But instead of, I I was defensive at first, but I took a step back and I thought about it and I was like, okay, well, what can I try to at least learn from this moment? And like, Mm. why is the person saying that? I guess, I don't know if I'm answering your question. I think we're all, uh, I think the, the beauty of 2020 is it's making all of us question instead of just life has such a momentum to it, right? So I think you right. normally just sort of keep going. You you kind of get to see the version of, of life that you put yourself in, right? So you get to, like, on a daily basis, you're in your own, I don't know, you're you're in your own, like, whoever your driving lane is, right? Like, you, you see the people next mm-hmm. to you, you see your neighbors, and you see people you work with or whatever. And I think nobody being – a more public person than I've ever been before because I've never been someone who's chased celebrity and I still don't, but being more forward in that now, I think having is, is a really interesting thing. And you do, I I feel like I've heard um, a lot of my black friends say this, that they feel like they have to like represent their entire people. Right. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I feel like that. I've grown up that way, right? Where people, like, I can't tell you the number of times people are like, oh, you're my Asian ambassador. Can, let me ask you a question about this. Um, <laughs> and so I, I identify with it. I don't, can't, can't pretend that I understand it because, of course, it's not my experience. Mm. Um, but I think it's made me more conscious. And, yeah. um, you know, I, we're and we're doing the best that we can. I don't have anyone black on my team right now, and I think when we the pull up challenge happened, that was definitely something that gave me pause. Like, do we release this information? Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I had three employees though, so mm-hmm. it wasn't. And and my three employees are pretty diverse, but yeah. um, you know, now I have four employees and I have an intern. 
And still we don't have anyone black on the team full time. I'm I'm blabbering. (laughs) No, that's great. No, I'm so glad that you were able to just kind of be, you know, really candid about how you felt. It's not like you're a huge like L'Oreal right now where it's like you have like 50,000 people on your team and then like no one's black. Like, you know what I'm saying? Totally. They think a lot about the way that we hire people, the way that we um, Mm -hmm. practices where I, I I think I'm similar to a lot of people where I ask for recommendations and I kind of work with my existing Mm -hmm. network and that's great in some ways, but then in some ways it's like, then you just sort of work work within that same, you're fishing from the same pond, right? Right, right. One thing we did do this year was, I don't know if you saw, but I I started a mentorship program called the Clean Beauty Summer School and um, it was targeted towards black owned beauty businesses. Um, and I got to meet 10 really amazing um, Black-owned beauty founders, and um, it was probably the most enriching, I think, experience of my 2020. Um, that's so cool. That's literally, but that's where it starts, you know, like that is where it starts. Like you said, the beauty of 2020 is really just kind of stepping back and seeing what can I do better? Where are areas where I maybe have lacked, where I didn't know that I lacked before, you know, and that that's so cool. That's amazing. And I think that those are the steps that, you know, we love to see, you know, I sit in that literal middle section of being Asian and black, you know, yeah. so it's like seeing both the beauty of, you know, everyone trying to like really come together to just... Yeah make everyone feel a little bit more better, a little bit more included, a little bit more represented. Like that's, those are the steps, you know, and you're taking them and I love it. It's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like you said, we do what we can with what we, uh, mm-hmm. what we have. And I thought, and I think the one thing I can offer more than I can offer, frankly, money at this point, because we're still small and we're young as a company, um, is, network, mentorship, uh, the opportunity for education, not just for myself, but from other people I, I know. Um, and just to bring it all back to the first thing I said about wanting to start this company and naming it Tribe, it really is, mm-hmm. um, it was, that's what the Clean Beauty Summer School was about for me. It was creating like a new tribe, a new definition around that yeah. um, and coming together as a community. And I, I was actually incredibly inspired by the fact, because I mean, I asked people who are like big hitters for their time, right? So we had like Diana Ruth from Milk Makeup, who's one of the founders there. And mm-hmm. she's obviously a very busy woman. Um, we had, you know, the head buyer of skincare at Sephora, Cindy Daly come in. And every one of these people said yes, immediately. Um, and they volunteered their time, they volunteered their efforts. Um, so it's really nice to feel like you're getting, like for me at least, sometimes when you work with someone, I don't think you get to know their values because mm. you just get to know them on a certain level, right? Right, right. Um, and I think this year has been really great because we've seen, like even the people I work with, I see what their house looks like, right? Because <laughs> right. you see, like because of so much that's come up politically this year, you kind of see where they land in that mm-hmm. sense and um in in a lot of it's been more divisive I think for a lot of people yes yes but, it is but at the same time I've actually found that within the beauty community my beauty community it's been it's made me feel closer because I think we all have more similar values than I even knew we did 
Um, right. That's so true. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I guess from a standpoint of you, you know, starting this company, it's really cool to see, you know, like a deeper dive into someone's like actual life. You know, it's not, you know, like, I know what you're talking about, about like, you know, the professional level. Yeah, we talk business, but then it's more about like, what do you stand for? What do you value? You know, and yeah, again, like I've it's before there's a part of me even that's old school that's like oh well does anybody care what I think like <laughs> I sell makeup right like do they is am I really here to tell them about like politics and we actually did get quite a bit of um I don't know if hate is the right word when the announcement came out about Biden and Kamala like we uh, posted something about how amazing it was that we mm-hmm. for the first time have a woman and a woman of color mm-hmm. right like you. <laughs> literally, literally like me. You're right. Um, in in office. And yeah. to me, that was not even a, a bipartisan issue. That was a female Just a forward. Yeah, exactly. I know what you're saying. Moment in history. And we got all of this we had people we had people unfollow us. We had people mm-hmm. um at a base level, but then we also had people like DM us and write things that were like no one cares what you think, like, Hmm. you know, whatever, negativity. But I do think that people more than ever vote with their wallets, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a part of me that's been like, oh, should we not be so forward? But then I also feel like people want to know what they're, who they're giving their money to. And I I feel like we have to earn every dollar, so, mm-hmm. and if you don't, and if you are not aligned with us, then maybe you should know that too. You know, like if mm-hmm. that's not what you want to give your money to, then, then you should go find someone else who believes in what you believe. That's so humbling. This year, especially, we've been just kind of like, you know, you see all the posts, especially with like Black Lives Matter and everything over the summer, you see like, oh, black businesses to support, like women of color to support and like this and this and this. And it's like, you do kind of want to know where your money's going to, you know, essentially. And it's really cool to see. Yeah, I think it's been really cool, like from a consumer standpoint, just seeing, oh, which companies that I stand for that kind of stand for the same things that I stand for. And if it's not necessarily, you know, a company that I stood for before, then cool. Like now I have even more support for this company and it's okay you know like it may be divisive almost kind of but like it's almost necessary so that I feel good about where my money's going to you know so like I like it I like knowing so yeah (laughs) I read I don't know if you saw this but there was something going around that was like you know this holiday you should um shop small and and it was I, I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically this idea that like if you buy from like a really big corporation, they don't really care. But if you buy from a small company, they like do a little jig or something like that. <laughs> That's so funny. Something about how like they get really happy. Yeah. Like, That's me. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> Guys I support really right that. now. <laughs> Sometimes I think people think that because we're at Sephora or whatever, we're this giant company, but we really are not still. And I look at all the orders and we're, I'm, I'm, I feel very humbled and grateful that um, we've been able to, to make the traction we have. That's so wonderful. Anyone who's listening right now, I obviously will have a link down below so that you guys can go ahead and shop, but um, yes, definitely get your holiday gifts on done and done. (laughs) So the next question that I have for you is what does a typical week in your life look like for you? Just give us the details. We want to hear it all. So I, I'm a mom of three kids. I have a almost 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 5-year-old. Um, and I have a husband. And now I work from home. 
in COVID. So you, as you can imagine, I'm pretty busy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And our um, two out of my three kids go to school from our house, right? So they do Zoom. The other, the youngest one actually extended her preschool. So she goes and does from her preschool. So that way she has a little more social interaction. Um, But because of that, I guess I, what I try to do every morning is I try to wake up before my kids do. So I have a little bit of alone time. And in that time I make myself coffee. I try to drink lemon and water (laughs) before (laughs) I drink coffee. I really, really, I did that today. Um, we got a pandemic puppy, so we have a little dog named Luigi, and I take Aww. him on a walk every morning. Um, and then I try to sit for a couple of minutes with myself and just think about my day. I may I make a gratitude. It's so cheesy, but I do. I make a gratitude list um, every. So do month. I. You do? That's so great. It's so helpful. Yes, I got so many journals. Oh my god! At nighttime, I do like five. In the morning, I think of three. Like you know, yeah. it's good. It's a good habit. Ooh. Yeah. Um, And then before I start my, so every day I start the, every weekday, I start the day with my team um, at 9.15 and we have what we call um, our daily stand-up meeting and we talk about our three rocks. And the concept behind the three rocks, maybe you've heard about this before, is if you were to take a jar and you were to put a bunch of sand in it first, and then you were to put your big rocks in it, it won't fit. But if you put the three big rocks in first and then you dump the sand in, it all fits, right? And Mm -hmm. so the concept is... um, what are your three big rocks for the day? What are the three things you really have to get done today? And so every morning, um, each of us writes down our three big rocks and we tell each other what those are so that we all kind of just start the day on the same page and we know what everyone's doing. Um, and then, and then I have a combination of like meetings and I do a lot of zoom with this. Mm. Um, Yes. (laughs) Zoom, um, and we have some regular meetings, um, and I I really love that my day is pretty varied. So I do some analytical things like demand planning and forecasting. I do contract negotiations. Um, I do legal con, you know, review all the things. boring stuff. <laughs> yeah, but then I also look at like I'm just trying to think of like my my next week. But I get to like right now I'm looking at packaging to approve. We're trying to come up with a name for a new launch. Um, Ooh. we are. I'm looking at shades. So I'm you know finalizing. We get submissions in, and we're like mm-hmm. going and saying like, is this the right shade? Is this the right undertone? That kind of thing. Um. So it's a little bit of everything, to be honest with you, uh, but it's, it's, it's really fun. Yeah. It's fun to hear. It's fun to hear all the like, you know, businessy things that go into it. So yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, not many people talk about it. So it's fun for me to always like ask, like, what does the week in your life look like? So that, that sounds like a fun little week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, the and then I, of course, I think with kids, I, I make lunch, I make breakfast, yeah. I do more cleaning than I care to. Um, and, and then we do it again, you know? <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's what COVID looks like too. <laughs> yeah, I know. That must've been such a switch, honestly. Were you working in an office previously? Like, did you have like a business space? Yeah, we have a, we have a, we have a WeWork. So we have an office space. Oh, I love WeWork. Yeah. It's, I kind of miss it, to be honest. I miss and seeing, we just did a photo shoot recently and, um, To do the photo shoot, you know, we had to get everybody COVID tested. We had like Mm -hmm. in advance, day of, et cetera. Um, And we still wore, you know, all the PPE, all that stuff. 
But when I saw my team in real life, I was like, it's almost yeah. them. I was like, it's like seeing a celebrity. Like, you know, when you see somebody on TV and then you yeah, see Yeah, you're them. like, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> like I'm seeing you in person. <laughs> and I just, I, I am grateful that I really love my team and the people I work with. And so it, I don't know, I think so much of what we do, different jobs, different industries, right? Um, some Like my husband's an investor and his job is, I think, much more solitary. He's like looking at analysis and I don't know what he does. But <laughs> like beauty is so collaborative in the best way, right? Because um, it's like, we're all trying to test product. We're all trying to like, even, you know, if it's not technically your job and like one of our girls who works in operations where, I mean, she has lashes too. I'm like, Hey, what do you think mm-hmm. of this? You know, <laughs> So it's in the best way. It's really collaborative. Um, and I feel like that's, that's a real unfortunate, it just makes it logistically harder. You know, we're like Ubering mm-hmm. each other. We're it, it's harder and it's not as fun. I really admire how you do the, you know, the three big rocks. Like, that's so cool because it's like, you know, that's like your accountability for the morning. You stick it out with your team yeah. and, you know, you kind of still have that collaborative, you know, gung-ho mindset about it. That's really fun. And I think that that keeps everyone going. It seems like you, you know, you've stuck with like a routine that you like and, you know, you just, you got to keep going and that's what everyone's trying to do now. So that's cool yeah. to see like business owners are also doing like going through the same routine thing, trying to figure out what their swing of life is. So it's like, it's normal. Yeah. Everyone's like normal doing their thing. So yeah. <laughs> In ways COVID has made us more organized as a team, you know, mm. because we, when you're at home, you have to, you don't get to see each other. So you don't get the benefit of communicating so like overhearing someone talk about something and whatever yeah. before, we, before it happened we were like what's the point of slack we're just staring at each other why would we you know what I mean what why, why yeah. do that um but now we've really adopted a lot of those like we have regular meetings and and all mm-hmm. of that in some ways like to your point about adulting it's in a more adulting kind of (laughs) oh okay then yeah I guess we can go ahead and swing into the last question which is what is your top adulting tip for the listeners um my top adulting tip and I actually say this pretty often is I think the most important thing you can do that will dictate your happiness as an adult is choose wisely the person that you marry Oh, it's, wow. I love that. Mary. Not that everybody has to get married and I have no judgment mm-hmm. around that. I, I think it is something that people underestimate the power of, but you're, I, I, again, I say this all the time, but your spouse is literally the only family in your life that you ever get to choose, right? Like if mm-hmm. you think about it, you're, you come into this life with your parents and your family and then you can choose if you have children, but you don't get to meet them beforehand and live with them beforehand. Mm. You're in my case, husband is the only person that I got to choose. And I, I think it is such an important one. And I literally could not be doing what I'm doing now. If my husband wasn't, he didn't step up as a, a father. He didn't support me both mm-hmm. me and give me the space to be able to try to do this. Cause I didn't, I still don't take a salary. So mm. he wasn't there to kind of shoulder that part part of it and really believe in me. I think this would not, I, I know this wouldn't be happening. Wow. So. I love that. No one's given like a relationship, almost like a, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, it's almost been like more financial tips or like, or more like spiritual tips. But like, I, that's amazing. I wasn't expecting anything like that. 
I, I really, I actually really believe that that arches into everything else because, yeah, you know, I've had, I, I don't know. I, I'm like a full on adult, right? So I'm in my forties. No way. You look so good. Oh my gosh. That's why when you're like, oh, I have like three kids. I'm like, no, you don't. You just don't. <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> I, I remember, I, I say that because I remember when I was in my late twenties and everybody mm-hmm. started married and maybe this is happening less because people are getting married later but I Mm. think there are times where you feel like late or you feel like it's just like you know yeah like you have to rush in and stuff and I'm supposed to marry because I'm at this age Mm. and I I hope that people don't feel that same pressure as much anymore I just know that I did before um but I think it's such an important decision yeah oh that's amazing oh my gosh thank you so much amy for coming on this podcast you've been such a light oh that's so nice of you well i I really enjoyed speaking with you